Hey everybody, I wanna welcome all of you watching today. Whether you're a part of Plum Creek or not, I'm really glad you joined us. As a lot of you know, our church is in the middle of a journey called the Strong Challenge. And this is a 10 week series where we're asking God to make us strong, spiritually strong. And today marks the halfway point of this journey. We've been looking at spiritual habits that connect us with God and unleash his power and his strength in our lives. We talked about the habit of prayer. We talked about digging into God's word on a daily basis. We talked about the blessings that come from serving others like Jesus and being generous on a level that seems irrational to the rest of the world. So for anyone keeping score, we've looked at four specific habits, prayer, digging into scripture, serving, and giving. And like I said, this is a 10-week series. So you might be wondering, are we going to add a new habit every week? Because this could start to feel like a lot, right? I was talking to the guys in one of my huddles, and they said, yeah, it's kind of tough to do all these things at once. Pray and read and serve and give. And a lot of us can relate to that, right? It's hard to work on every area of your life simultaneously. But if that's your concern, I've got two responses. Number one, we won't keep adding habits as we go through the strong challenge. In fact, you won't get anything new after today. In the second half of this challenge, we're going to put these habits to work. We're going to use the spiritual strength that God gives to go out and make a difference in the world around us. So that's my first response. And here's the second one. The title of today's message is Train. And the main goal of this sermon is to answer this question. How can we train ourselves to stick with these habits over the long haul? Because we're not interested in prayer as a one-week fad. We need a lifestyle of prayer. And it's the same for all these habits. We don't need a temporary shot of God's strength. We need his strength every hour of every day. So again, how do we stick with these habits over the long haul? Well, there's a place in the Bible that speaks to that question very directly. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Let me read that for you. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So yeah, it's great to get in shape physically, but it's far more important to get in shape spiritually. And if we want God's strength to show up in our lives, if we want to be men and women of strong character, if we want to be strong in the face of temptation, if we want to have strong relationships, we have to go into spiritual training. If you're an athlete, you can't wait until game time to get into shape. You've got to train before you run onto the field or onto the court. But here's the thing, and any athlete will tell you this, for training to be effective, it can't be easy or comfortable. The truth is, you can't grow strong without resistance. Here's what I mean. I brought along a set of dumbbells today. I bought these dumbbells over 20 years ago now. And I haven't used them much lately, but there was a time when I was curling with these guys on a regular basis. However, a couple months ago, I preached a sermon about comparing ourselves with others. 
And I mentioned that a friend of mine has some serious biceps. And I don't know if you can tell from where you are, but my biceps are not what you would call impressive. They never have been. So what's the problem here? Like I said, I did use these dumbbells at one point. Why didn't I see more results? Well, I'm sure you can figure this out. You can't grow strong without resistance. And these things only weigh 10 pounds a piece. And if I want better results, I eventually need to lift more weight than 10 pounds. And this principle applies to lots of different areas. Another example is training your mind. This week, I was talking to a new friend of mine and I asked him about his family. He told me that his daughter is a freshman at Transylvania University down the road in Lexington. She's 17 now, but she graduated from high school at age 16. She's currently majoring in neurology and biochemistry. And I asked what career she'd like to go into, and my friend said she wants to work in exomedicine. I had never heard of exomedicine, but I learned that it's the study of medicine in a zero-gravity environment. So basically, healthcare in space. Exomedical research could help keep astronauts alive on a mission to Mars. And it goes without saying that anybody working in this field needs to be extremely bright. And for somebody like me, my friend's daughter sounds like a genius. But she told her dad, I don't see myself as naturally smart. I just work really, really hard. And her dad confirms that. For years and years, this girl has spent a massive amount of time studying. She's made lots of sacrifices to get where she is today. In other words, she's proven that you can't grow strong without resistance. So let's get back to spiritual training. In 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul says, train yourself to be godly. And before I say anything else, I want to be clear that we don't have to do this alone. We're not just relying on our own willpower here. You might remember the theme verse for this series, Ephesians 4.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So you're not going to find this strength inside yourself. It's going to come from God. It's going to come from the Holy Spirit. And the only way to welcome the Holy Spirit into your life is to experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. If you've never given your life to Jesus, that's where you need to start. But if you have that relationship, you should know that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you. And the Holy Spirit enables you to do things you could never do on your own. At the same time, though, we can't just sit back and ask God to do all the work. He wants us to grow and become strong. But just like physical training, it requires a lot of effort on our part. With all these habits we're talking about, You don't become a Christian and then poof, you're instantly a pro in all these areas. It doesn't work that way. Spiritual disciplines build spiritual strength, but they don't come easy. Hebrews chapter 12 puts it this way. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And this verse is great because it gives us the why. Why is the pain worth it? Why would we work so hard to build these habits when it's far easier to be comfortable? Are we doing these things to earn God's approval? Are we doing these things to buy a ticket into heaven? 
Absolutely not. We're saved by grace. It's a gift that we can't earn. The only reason we can receive that gift is because Jesus went to the cross and he paid the penalty that we deserved because of our sin. We're not saved by what we do. We're saved by what Jesus has already done. So if we're not pursuing spiritual disciplines in order to earn brownie points with God, why do all that work? Well, what did we read in that verse? After the discipline, after the pain, there's a harvest of righteousness and peace. You start living the life that God has called you to live, and there is a great peace that comes from that. So here's what we mean by training. Training is the practice of putting off some good now for greater good later. Now, we've talked about several spiritual habits over the past few weeks, but let's look at a few new ones. And just a heads up, some of these may seem a little unorthodox. First, I want to point out the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude. And when I say solitude, I'm not talking about isolating yourself in a way that's unhealthy. I'm not talking about running away from your problems. Here's what we mean by solitude. Solitude is breaking away from people and distractions for the purpose of spending time alone with God. Jesus did this on a regular basis. Luke 5.16 says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, a habit like this is very rare in our culture right now. I probably don't have to tell you that. A couple years ago, I came across a story from a guy named Jason Bradley. And there was a time in Jason's life when he was in crisis. His faith was in crisis. He went to speak with a friend who was a spiritual mentor. And at that point, Jason had already decided to give up on church. And he was trying to, to decide if he was done with Jesus altogether. As he shared with his mentor what was going on, Jason began sobbing and heaving. But his friend had a question. He said, when was the last time you were quiet? And Jason stopped crying and he said, what do you mean? And the mentor asked, when was the last time you just sat quietly, no music or books or TV or internet to distract you? When was the last time you were just silent? And he said, sleeping doesn't count. And Jason sighed and he said, I don't even know. He couldn't remember the last time he experienced a prolonged period of silence. The mentor paused and he finally said, it seems that your emptiness has caught up with you. And that's like so many of us, right? We fill our lives with noise. We fill our lives with busyness. And the goal is to distract us from everything that feels empty or painful. Our culture is addicted to noise. What do many of us do first thing in the morning? We look at our phones, we turn on the TV, we check our email, we just take in all these messages and images that come our way. But what if we made the decision to carve out some time and remove those distractions and focus on God? What if we allowed him to speak into that emptiness? What if we let him deal with the dragons of loneliness and frustration and anger and hurt and sin? Sure, we need to make some sacrifices if we're going to shut off the noise and get away. But what did we read in Hebrews? Discipline may be painful, but it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. Now, if you need a plan for how to spend that time in solitude, you can go back and listen to the sermons on prayer and scripture. 
You could also look at your challenge cards from those weeks. But let's move on to another discipline, the habit of confession. Now, this one may seem more painful than the last one. Confession means that you look at yourself, you look at scripture, and you identify anything you've done that's in conflict with God's will. This could be wrong actions, wrong words, or even wrong thoughts. And once you identify those things, you say, Lord, I am sorry. I have sinned against you and I've sinned against others. I'm asking for your forgiveness and I'm ready to change. Scripture consistently tells us that confessing our sins will bring healing and blessing. Look at Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. That verse says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And you know, most of us like the sound of that verse, but unfortunately, there is an epidemic in the church of people avoiding healthy and biblical confession. We would love to confess our sins in a way that does not involve pain or shame or any change in our lifestyle. In the past, I've talked about something I call confession light. It's a watered down version of this practice. And this version will not have a powerful effect on your life. I'll give you some examples. One form of confession light is when we look for a loophole that allows us to keep sinning. This is a person who's trying to game the system. Like, I keep committing the same sin, but I don't really feel bad about it anymore because I know with a quick confession, I'm back in good standing with God. Well, that doesn't work because God knows our hearts and he knows when our confession is not really sincere. He's never fooled by that. The second example of confession light is when we keep it general instead of specific. And we understand this distinction, don't we? You can say, God, please forgive me of all my sins. But that's very different than, God, you know that I was very unkind to my wife yesterday. I lost my temper and I said some very hurtful things. I'm sorry and I want to do better. So let's make sure we get specific. I'll give you one more example of confession light, and that's when we refuse to confess to another person. And some of us may say, hold on, why why do we got to drag other people into this? Can't, Can't I just keep this between me and God? Well, that would be convenient for those of us who don't like to swallow our pride, but that's not God's blueprint for the church. He designed the church to share life together, to encourage each other to follow Jesus more completely, to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And when the church is working right, we get real with each other. Look at James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So it's in there, isn't it? Confess your sins to each other. Now, if you're part of a huddle with our strong challenge, you're going to have the chance this week to practice the discipline of confession. And I encourage you to take this seriously. But whether you're in a huddle or not, I hope that you find a place where you can confess your sins. I want that for you because in my own life, I've seen that confession brings freedom. No, it's not pleasant at the time, but it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. I'll mention just one more spiritual habit today, and we'll touch on this one very briefly. 
It's the habit of fasting. And this one may seem a little unorthodox, but really it's not that crazy. It's the ancient practice of skipping at least one meal for the purpose of drawing near to God. One of your challenge cards this week will help you do this. In fact, I'll read you some of what this card says. This is train card number one. Skip one meal today and use that time to write out a prayer for something specific in your journal. Use any hunger pangs as reminders to pray and listen to God. Fasting can transform your prayer life into a richer and more personal experience. And it's a biblical way to humble yourself in the sight of God. And then the card gives you several scriptures to read. So if you've never done this, I encourage you to try it. Fasting builds a greater spiritual capacity in us. It shows us that God provides both physical and spiritual nourishment. And sure, it's uncomfortable, but that's what we've been talking about. You can't grow strong without resistance. And you know, fasting is another thing that Jesus did. It's one more example of how he lived his entire life. Jesus was willing to deal with momentary pain for long-term benefit. That's exactly what the cross was about. He dealt with excruciating pain in the short term, but he was willing to go through that because of the long-term benefit. Jesus opened the way for us to spend eternity with him. And because he loved us, that pain was worth it. Now, like I said, we'll get to practice some of these disciplines this week. But back to our original question, how can we train ourselves to stick with these habits over the long haul? How does a behavior change from a one-time event into a consistent habit? Well, this is actually not rocket science. An author named Charles Duhigg writes about something he calls the habit loop. And this makes a lot of sense. The habit loop has three components, cue, routine, and reward. And this is something we see every day of our lives. First, you have a cue. That cue leads to a behavior. For instance, when you go to a Mexican restaurant, you sit down at the table, and before you even place an order, what do they do? They put down a basket of chips and a bowl of salsa. And we love them for doing that, right? Now, for a lot of us, this is a very powerful cue. When I sit there inches away from those chips, it's very, very difficult for me to eat just one or two or 10. It's a strong cue that leads to a predictable behavior. I'll give you another example. I'm going to play a sound, and some of you will immediately recognize this cue. Ready? Here it is. Do you recognize that sound? If you have a certain kind of phone, that's a notification that some kind of message just came through. And when you hear that sound, what does it make you want to do? You want to pick up your phone, or at least take a peek at it. It's another powerful cue almost as powerful as chips and salsa. But we haven't talked about the reward yet. Let's look at that part of the loop. What's the reward you get from eating chips and salsa? Well, you get that happy feeling that comes from eating good food. But that's a short-term reward, isn't it? If you indulge in that behavior a little too often, you'll see some consequences that are not so positive. Same thing with the phone notification. In the short term, it feels good to satisfy your curiosity. In the long run, though, if that behavior gets out of hand, you're going to see a negative effect on your real-life relationships. Now, remember what we said earlier? 
Training is the practice of putting off some good now for greater good later. And we need to be aware that instant gratification is the enemy of spiritual strength. If we always turn to the thing that feels good in the moment, we're never going to get to the place where God wants us to be. So how do we leverage this habit loop in a positive way? Well, first, you start with a decision. You say, okay, this is the list of rewards I'm looking for. And what would that list be for you? Would it include a deeper relationship with God? Is it healthy relationships with your friends or your spouse or your children? Is it the ultimate goal of growing to be more like Jesus? Look to God and and make that list of rewards that you need to pursue. And then arrange your life in a way that leads to those rewards. Set up some specific cue that leads to specific behavior. One example is something we talked about a couple weeks ago. You can make an appointment to meet with God. This is a lot like sitting at the Mexican restaurant with the chips and salsa right in front of you. For this appointment, you specify a certain time and a certain place. You set up an environment that makes your brain say, okay, I know what's about to happen here. You know, even Jesus understood the need to make an appointment with God. In Mark 1.35, we read that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. So, Do you know what your best time and place would be? It might be early in the morning. It could also be late at night. My wife is great about this. Her time is about 6.15 a.m. And her place is in the green chair in our guest room. But you have to figure this out for yourself. You just set the cue that leads to the routine that leads to the reward. This applies to one-on-one time with God, but also things like confession or serving. And just know ahead of time, this is going to be hard. You'll have to break some bad habits. You'll have to say no to certain things. But that's all part of the plan, right? This is how God builds strength in us. We can't grow strong without resistance. And that means we have to choose to do some hard things. But you know, in some situations, we encounter resistance that did not come by choice. Maybe life throws you a curveball. Maybe life knocks you down or even makes you feel like giving up. 2020 has been a hard year for a lot of us in a lot of different ways. And and we wish we could avoid that kind of hardship. Here's the reality though. Suffering can build spiritual strength, but only when we draw near to God as we suffer. You know, the Bible has a very unique perspective on this. One of the highest values in our culture is happiness. Everybody wants to be happy. We pursue comfort and we try to eliminate pain. In scripture though, there are multiple passages that encourage us to be grateful or even have joy when we go through pain. For instance, listen to this message in James chapter one. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So that ties in with everything we've said so far. Jesus was willing to deal with momentary pain for long-term benefit. And what's the benefit that James describes? It's perseverance. It's spiritual maturity. 
It's becoming strong. But again, the growth that comes from suffering is not automatic. If we're going to build spiritual strength as we go through trials and tribulations, we need some outside help. And the best thing we can do is run to God. We can lean into those spiritual habits as we walk through the valley. But let's be honest. Sometimes when you're really struggling, it feels very difficult to practice those disciplines. And you look for something that'll make you feel better immediately, even if it's just for a few moments. This week, I read an article that talked about the current state of our nation. And the author said, we are dealing with stress on multiple levels right now. And because of that, a large number of people are getting to a place of burnout. I believe it's a good idea to do a little self-evaluation here. How has the stress of 2020 affected you? Are you seeing some warning signs? One of the statements in that article really stood out to me. The author said, one of the classic signs of burnout is a weird combination of a numbness to many things and a livid anger about other things. And I thought, huh, I know a lot of people are right there. And we know that people dealing with burnout often self-medicate with some form of addiction. And yes, we often think about addictive behaviors like drug or alcohol abuse, but there are lots of different forms of addiction. You can be addicted to food or binge watching or sex or spending or gaming or even exercise. People seek out behaviors that might give you a sense of pleasure or escape or security, at least in the short term. But none of those things will deal with the emptiness inside. And when we pursue those behaviors outside of God's will, they always make things worse in the long run. So in the end, what we really need is Jesus. But what do you do when you're struggling to practice those spiritual disciplines? Well, this is where the church comes in. You can be a part of a community that helps you turn to God. You know, we beat this drum all the time. It's great to participate in a worship service, whether that happens in a building or like this online. At some point, though, you need relationships with a group that will encourage you and support you and help you when you're feeling weak. A lot of you are in a huddle right now, and that's a very good thing. But I wanted to mention another option today. And if you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed at the moment, this may be exactly what you need. Julie Shield is a member of Plum Creek, and she's also an independent licensed counselor. Julie has offered to lead a four-week support group for anyone who's experiencing a lot of stress right now. The purpose of this group is to give support and encouragement in a time when a lot of us really need that. Now, as for the location and the time, Julie will communicate with everyone who signs up and then figure out what works best for everyone. We do know that the meetings will happen either on a weeknight or on a weekend. The meetings may be in person or virtual or both, depending on who's involved. Now, if you are interested in being a part of this group, let us know as soon as you can, because we can only accommodate a limited number of people. The easiest way to sign up is to go to plumcreek.org connect. But you could also send me an email directly to me, doug at plumcreek.org. We want you to know you don't have to go through a tough time alone. The best thing we can do is run to God because real spiritual strength comes from him. 
At the same time, though, we definitely need a community that will help us turn to God. So as we wrap up here, I really encourage you to go into training. Incorporate these habits into your life and stick with them over the long haul. Remember, this is not about earning or maintaining God's approval. The habits of spiritual discipline will take you to a place where God brings growth and transformation. This is where we build spiritual muscle. This is where we become strong in His mighty power. And as we move into the second half of our strong challenge, we're going to see how God's Holy Spirit empowers us to go out and impact our world for Him. Let's pray. Father, you are strong, and you are good, and you care about us. You love us, and we're so grateful for that. We thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for the way that your strength is available to us because of Jesus, because of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that we will continue to grow in that strength, and over the next few weeks that we will use the power that you give us to make a difference in this world for you and for your glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.